0: You're listening to the oneabus.net.
1: needs and appreciates all your support howdy podcast listeners i'm trevor teacher here
2: and i'm matt foster and together we co-host the nighthawks podcast a movie-centric podcast that covers just about everything Big films?
1: Citizen Kane, Casablanca, The
2: Avengers, Star Wars. The films that aren't as big on budget, but we still love. Found Footage 3D, The Big Lebowski. Not to mention films from distant shores. Lone Wolf and Cub, Dearest Sister. Plus, we have some great guests like Alamo Drafthouse founder Tim Lee. Episode 7. Dr. Strange writer C. Robert Cargill. Episode 100. Director, Steven DiGennaro. Episode 53,
1: Episode 100.
2: Or you can listen to any of the over 120 other episodes we have on deck for you. Instant Classics. Find us on
1: all good podcatchers. Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, Spotify. Or at our website, nighthawkspodcast.com. Join our cult. Probably not a real cult. It's a real cult.
3: interesting one i haven't had a quite such a nail-biting armchair gripping experience watching a movie like this in in quite some time what about you guys
1: leave it to south korea eh yeah right i
2: haven't had such a nail-biting time watching something since i watched uh hush and before that since i watched i saw the
1: devil
0: (laughs) (laughs) i see where you're gonna come in on this
1: lewayne weren't you on the review with me for uh come see with or come see for me or what was the name yeah see for me yep yeah yep
3: we are of course talking about uh midnight the south korean thriller that's coming out very soon and i am rose with me is matt hello lewayne
0: hey how's it going
3: and trevor
0: hello
1: hey
3: This was originally slated to release in 2020, but of course, you know, uh, so it's kind of been sitting on the shelf for a little while. It got some uh, festival releases last year, and now it is preparing for its uh, U.S., I guess, streaming release now here in 2022. Directed by Kwon Osung, stars Jin Ki Ju as Kyung Mi, who is a deaf girl, well, a, a deaf young woman who works as an interpreter for what, like a, an insurance company or some kind of a call center. She lives with her mother, who is also deaf. She is played by, please forgive me if I butcher these names. I have them written out phonetically, but I'm sure I'm still going to mess a few up. Gil Hei Yuan? Yuan? Uh, as her mother, who is not actually given a name in the film. They just kind of live a very quiet life together. They find themselves the target of a psycho serial killer who's just wandering the streets, played by Wee ha Jun as do Uh And he is, uh, it-, it took me a while, I was like, hey, his face looks so familiar. And he's the uh, really handsome cop brother from Squid Game. Oh! Yeah, it's that guy.
1: Holy crap.
3: (laughs) Watching everyone's jaws drop right now. (laughs) Yep, that's the dude.
1: I knew I had seen him somewhere before.
3: Yeah, and it is a complete 180 from his role on Squid Game. He's a (laughs) superhero James Bond cop to just complete psycho shithead, which he does very, very well. I mean, he was creepy.
2: There is a superhero action cop in this movie, though. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's true. That it's just uh, not him this time.
3: Park Hoon playing uh, a yeah, brother to uh, Kim Ye Yoon, uh, who is their brother and adult brother and sister, in a setup that I'm not I, like I wasn't sure if she was supposed to be a teenager or not, but nevertheless, she's in the care of her adult brother, and they kind of have a squabble about her going out, and he's like, "You're not going out wearing that." Uh okay well you can wear that but be back by ten o'clock no I'm coming back by midnight <laughs> um and she finds herself kind of the serial killer's uh victim although not quite dead and it's it's these four people who have otherwise would have never met and caught up in in the web of this one psycho
0: yeah it was interesting to see the the port- particularly after having seen so- well after something like Coda just came out here recently.
1: It was the movie I watched immediately before this, so that was a rough transition for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was It's very different totally. <laughs> it was also interesting because they're clearly using, I guess, Korean sign language. Mm-hmm. None of it looked familiar, so that was its own sort of thing. But it's interesting to see their hearing impairment is a plot element, but not, I don't know, like it's treated as a natural thing, right? Yeah. There's not a lengthy discussion about it or anything. And I actually got kind of a kick out of their the, the mother and daughter's interaction because they're talking about taking this trip. And the daughter's like, hey, I invited you. I'll pay for it. And the mother's like, I can't hear you. What? I you know, Yeah.
3: Like, um, their chemistry was so great. They're Just the so way good that together. They are playful and everything. I mean, you you got the vibe, but these two are each other's best friends. It, it oh, was yeah. precious.
0: And uh, the, there's little little things throughout. They've got like this little, essentially a sound detector. That shows Mm -hmm. a little, it's like a sound meter that they can tell, like when they're driving, you know, the approach of vehicles or whatever, that actually is put to very interesting use in this, uh, particularly when we get into the cat and mouse stuff as it gets further along. So it was interesting to see that used within the plot in a sort of naturalistic way, instead of making a huge deal out of, oh, these characters, you know, whatever. It's an element of the story that actually makes a difference in how the story operates.
3: it was very well very respectfully integrated and it's a perception that you don't not only don't often see very much in movies but one that is handled as well as this
0: and it was also sort of interesting at one point when they interact with i guess it's whatever the modern korean equivalent of a police call box is Mm -hmm. that just apparently are out in public of course there's somebody who responds to it as if it's a 911 call but They can't hear what they're saying and can't communicate with that individual.
2: I would kind of like to know, like, is that real? Because that could could just be a conceit to get through in the movie and and the four of us would never know, right?
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I I spent some time looking into it, trying to determine, because I was even trying to figure out what the hell you would even call it because it's not literally a call box, it's like a call tower or something. It turns out that Google still only has certain things it'll pick up when you say things like police, call box, Korea. It'll tell you all about the militaristic structure of Korean police departments, but doesn't really give you the information you're looking for on that particular.
2: Good
1: job. Well, and I have to say, just in general, this movie's background was kind of inaccessible. Because coming out of CODA, my question, of course, is, well, I wonder if, if these actors are deaf, Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to look up biographic information. I'm trying to look up information about what this movie is using for its sign language. And I'm finding nothing. And unfortunately, uh, the press notes that we got from the studio uh, didn't tell us anything either. Yeah. But I am just a sucker for South Korean thrillers. This is not breaking any new ground. This is not the best South Korean thriller I've seen in a long time. This is just a good South Korean thriller. And I have come out on the show before as being a real sucker for these differently-abled thrillers a la Wait Until Dark or Hush or See For Me. This really had me in the pocket, and I was really pleased because at no point during this movie did I know where this was going. At no point did I know... who what you know where the stakes were going to end up who was in danger who wasn't who was safe who wasn't uh how these stories were going to intersect and so it kept it really interesting for me which kept me engaged that's always a plus and then it's just kind of a tight little thriller there's lots of setup and payoff there's lots of visual cues uh there's some interesting sound choices made throughout the movie not necessarily on the level of a uh what, what was the reza med movie that came out last year uh the drumming sound movie. of metal oh, sound, sound of metal of metal, like it wasn't on that level, but it was just some interesting sound choices that they made to convey deafness or how deafness would play to an audience.
2: Well, and they have they have some some noise detectors. They're supposed to tell them like if someone's knocking on the door of their house, and they end up being used almost like a cheesy radar feature in a video game, and <laughs> that was kind of cool. But again, that's something I would like to know. Is that real? Sure. That's my shortcoming, me- not the movies. You know.
0: Yeah. It reminded me of the clicker thing that they used in that C for me. Yeah. Using the the cat collar as a, or, and then later a radio as a tracker for the.
1: Well, and what's great about this is you see them set it up. It happens at a tense moment in the movie that is just totally superfluous to the actual plot. It's a moment of misfortune is avoided using one of these devices so you understand what they are. And then it's like, oh, I see how they're going to use this. It's kind of like, it's going to be like uh, aliens and it's Mm -hmm. Pippin and it's right on top of you. I get it. But then the movie then takes it a step further and turns it on its ear because the killer figures out that that's how she's using it. So he is then able to in turn manipulate that to his advantage. And it's a fun little cat and mouse.
3: Yeah, that, God, that whole sequence is just... (laughs) you you had compared it to um wait until dark which is one of my favorite movies and yeah it's this is probably the most comparable to that in terms of just the amount of tension they're able to wring out of the audience just constantly i love it
2: you know i have pros and cons here i thought the killer himself was really creepy and he played his part well and i liked He was very slippery and infuriating and like he almost gets arrested at one point and he just goes willingly and talks and tap dances his way out of it. And all that worked for me really well. This movie does have a couple of examples of, you know, the guy's chasing you, you push him down so you just run when you could finish him off. Yeah. Yeah. It has one of the worst incidences of that to the point that it really makes you go, oh, they realized it would just be lame if it ended right there, and it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't. Vindic- yeah. It wouldn't vindicate the actual characters. So they had to just go. Just have him jump up out of the shadow, and, and we'll do another twenty minutes.
3: Yeah, that. If this film does have a flaw, it's that it has too many endings it is has some pacing problems like the first two-thirds of it are pretty solid and once it gets into that last act it kind of pulls a lord of the rings where you think this is going to be the end where the the girl and the psycho have the showdown and then no they move on to some other set piece and then another
2: one so that was the return of the king and now they can all oh no that was the return of the king and now they can oh no that was the return (laughs) of the king and now they can all yeah
3: like it's like they couldn't decide where they wanted the final showdown to take place so they just went with all the ideas they came up with.
2: Wait, is is Gimli the king? Is Frodo related to a king? Are they all
3: kings?
0: They're all all kings or their respective Is the whole band of kings? The real
1: strudelbaker is when you're trying to figure out which two towers are the two towers.
3: Oh my God. Um, I will say that where they do end up having the final, final showdown, I, I was getting frustrated by that because it seems like this would be the optimal condition for the girl you know it's in a very well lit very public place a big shopping center with lots of people around and it doesn't quite go the way that you're hoping it would but not so much in a oh darn they don't believe her kind of way it's like all right nobody would act this way you know this this screaming Blood-covered girl is obviously being chased by a man. Like he is just straight up dead-ass chasing after her, running after her. And for some reason, they're like, "She's crazy. We'll we'll get her for you, boss." And it's like, uh, "All right, come on." Yeah, I
2: don't know. I can <laughs> yeah. completely see that happening, like on a New York subway. Or
3: uh, in New York, they'd just be oh, like, uh, "Yeah," or problem.
2: everyone just ignoring yeah. it completely, just yeah. like, "I don't want to get involved." Whatever.
3: Yeah, <laughs> not my business. But the the way things do ultimately get resolved, the way that she does kind of turn it around, Autumn, I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty baller, that's great. But yeah, it, it does have a, that pacing problem right towards the end there. But each location that they visit and each showdown that they have is still entertaining to watch.
0: Although I will admit, on um, the the foot chase near the end, they're constantly going down these stairs. And I'm like, oh, I'd just end up at the bottom of the stairs broken.
3: He'd be like, all right, never mind. Somebody has to trip. This is unwatchable.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was a little worried that I wasn't going to completely buy into the villain because he's, he's almost on this flight of Icarus to get... As close to the investigation into his crimes as he can get without giving himself away. And I was worried that that wasn't going to play. But I was kind of surprised throughout the whole movie that they were able to really make it work.
3: Yeah, because that, that would be a thing, you know, with someone with that just level of psychopath. Psychopathy,
1: psychopathy that he has
3: that yeah they they taunt the police they try to keep on top of it and all that and so that tracked pretty well and every time he's right there in the room with the cops almost confessing but not really you're just like he's right there get him
2: Happens in real life you had your your ed kemper wayne williams gary mm-hmm. Ridgway. who's the other dude that taunted the cops
3: zodiac yeah
2: yeah and a lot of them even like are caught because they're in this they're in the crime scene photos. so i i buy that the dude would do that because it's part of his character that he has a lot of like unwarranted intellectual superiority complex you know yeah oh sure
3: there's no way they'll catch me even though i've been photographed at every single crime scene
2: (laughs) well it also
0: adds to the suspense in that we all know he did it and very often you know by that by that point, the main characters know he did it, but can't communicate to anyone in an effective way. This is literally the guy right here.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think that's the answer to your question about the end of this, Rose, is there's just a a theme here that is shot through where these women do not have credibility because they're disabled. And not only is it a, a hurdle just to get over to communicate something... They are kind of held as being suspicious or being not intelligent or being kind of a hardship. There's a need to pass this off and dismiss them more so than they would be if they were hearing people. I think.
3: Yeah, which is unfortunately a reality. I mean, that was very on point. You know, with that kind of social criticism, because there are there are some people who just treat them like normal. Like one of her coworkers signs things to her and all that. But yeah, one of the. Run-ins they have with the cops. He's just like, ah, all right, yeah. I write it down. Let me read it.
0: Well, and and there's a scene very early on where she basically goes to this dinner party, or oh, whatever was it was, funny. with the the upper management and mm-hmm. some of their guests. And there's an entire thing about her inability to communicate, and then the things that she is communicating that nobody else understands about the experience. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, you're just a novelty to a lot of these people. And you're kind of a nuisance because we can't tell what you're doing. And we know that you're saying something about us.
3: Yeah. yeah that part was really funny. We're like, oh, look at her. She's she's saying she likes it. And meanwhile, she's like, go fuck yourself right to his face. She's,
2: yeah. Very, very, very minimized at work. And I'm kind of glad they didn't lean into that too hard because I sort of don't like narratives where people find themselves by surprise. Like, Oh. You were haunted and killed by someone that shouldn't have done that to you, but at least you were empowered by it. I don't, I don't always <laughs> love those those narratives, you know. Yeah, but
3: it, it's very Sansa Stark. I'm a better person because of all the trauma I went through. It's like mm, I like that a lot
2: better when it's a when it's a person versus nature plot.
3: Yeah. Sure. Um. Well, should we get into final thoughts, do Might you start us off?
0: It's pretty straightforward. It looks good. It sounds good. It does a few interesting things with sound, given the characters, but doesn't go really wild. You know, it's it's not Sound of Metal or some of those others. The serial killer's methodology seems really weird to me, but I guess I'll just chalk that up to Korean Psychopath, because I don't understand them most of the time when I watch these thrillers. I think in the end, I liked most of this more than I didn't. There's some bits that we've all talked about near the end that we don't want to get too far into that don't always hold up as well. So I guess we'll go 3.75 out of five police call box tower Robot thingies, (laughs) thingies. whatever those were.
3: Right on. Uh, Trevor?
1: Like I said, I'm kind of a sucker for South Korean thrillers. And if you are too, this is going to be very in your lane. And I would even say that this is a super accessible South Korean thriller if this is something you are considering maybe getting your toe into. It is a little overlong, but I still wasn't taken out of the movie worrying about it. By the time I was to that point, the movie had ended. It walked me down a few false paths where I let myself breathe and then I had to catch up again. And that got a little annoying, but it wasn't one of those rip you out of the movie. Jesus, what, you know, checking my watch wasn't one of those. This is not as good as, say, I Saw the Devil or The Man from Nowhere or Old Boy. Like, it's not punching in that tier, but it is a very serviceable fun south korean thriller i don't know how to how to judge performances by uh hearing people playing deaf roles i'm just not good at that that is something that kind of raised my eyebrow uh so i guess that's something if if that's on your no-fly list or if that's something that's going to bug you that's something you should be aware of but overall i really enjoyed the performances in this uh just as a way person At the end of the day, I am going to give this 8 out of 10 lone white high heel shoes.
3: (laughs) Slowly clattering down an alleyway.
1: That's right. And I did say 8 out of 10 lone high-heeled shoes. Figure it out now. (laughs)
3: All
2: right, Matt? I don't know. I come down in about the same place. This is serviceable and it's worth a stream. I do think the production and the photography are great and it's a very it's a very tense movie. Action's very cogent. There is a a likable second protagonist. I didn't I honestly like not to go full social justice cleric here, but I don't know how I felt about the scenes where like the people that were not deaf imitated deaf people trying to speak out loud and not being intelligible there's there i i I did do some minor cringe at that i would say on the balance more more good than bad and i think i would give it nine out of 13 outfits on hangers in the van best not pondered
3: yeah it's really kind of hard to come up with like funny scale thingies for this movie. I couldn't think of any, like, one identifying object or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm total agreement with you guys. This this is a really, really solid thriller. It takes its premise and, and conceits about the premise and handles them really well. It, it integrates the things that it presents uh, in a very effective way. Um, definitely give it a watch if you like thrillers if you like south korean thrillers uh this this is definitely a worth a sit uh, and i would give it eight really oblivious bystanders out of ten